Welcome to the Glitching Metal Podcast, where I discuss anything and everything hard rock and heavy metal, new and old. Welcome to episode 5 of the Glistening Metal Podcast, where we discuss your favorite and not-so-favorite hard rock and heavy metal bands from the past and present. Today we are going into the next part of our Black Sabbath uh, discography discussion. And the fifth album, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, is the main topic of discussion today, obviously. Uh, So, starting off from the end of volume four kind of where the last episode ended the band high on getting really really big uh at the end of that 1973 world tour they're pretty much on top of the world one of the heaviest or the leading heavy rock bands in the world and volume four really had a lot to do with that uh it was an album that was really breaking them in a lot more uh, with the new sounds and everything that it was starting to kind of hint at. So the band figure they captured lightning in a bottle once. They were really excited to go back to California and do a follow-up to that album, thinking that the atmosphere and everything was just right. Um, so they returned Rented, I think, the same house that they were in uh, for Volume 4 and started recording Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. However, uh, they couldn't, they just had terrible writer's block, or mainly Tony had writer's block because at that time, everyone else wasn't really putting as much of an input as much as he was in terms of kind of getting songs started and stuff like that. And the band were completely fatigued, exhausted, and were afraid that at this point, this was going to be the point where the band would just dissolve. Where they kind of felt that would happen. They've they've felt that kind of multiple times at this point. So they take some time off, go back to England. They rent the Clearwell Castle uh, in England, where Deep Purple and Led Zeppelin kind of wrote and recorded music so they figured hey let's go back let's go back to something i guess kind of familiar kind of total opposite from the last one and they record at morgan studios in london a lot of bands have recorded there as well they were actually recording at the same time as yes and i'll get to the kind of crossover that happens in the album uh after that but the band starts to come up with songs and the writing is really completely it's completely different from anything they've done up to this point even even as alienate alienated uh volume four kind of seemed sabbath bloody sabbath would completely change that uh there's a lot of stories about when they were writing Sabbath Bloody Sabbath at this castle, there was all this weird ghostly stuff happening. And I think recording, or not recording, but rehearsing in that dungeon kind of gave them these really heavy atmospheric kind of uh, songs that um, this album really uh, is known for. 
So they record the album uh, in September of 1973, release it December 1st, 1973. So right at the tail end of the year. Um, kind of this album was kind of to show that they could write more than just your typical heavy rock songs. Well, I, I personally think they were already capable of that, but this album, they're almost in like, like Uriah Heap kind of territory, like in a dark kind of way. It's just, it, it's that kind of style, not as much heavy on like the organ or anything like that, but it's a lot of twists and turns and stuff like that. Um, and it's probably, it's definitely one of their heaviest albums out of the Ozzy era, I would definitely say. Um, and I guess to explain that, we'll, we'll go into the tracks now. So starting with track one, the title track, Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Now, I heard that the lyrics for this were kind of influenced by a lot of different things. Um, Geezer kind of felt the band was about to break up, so some of the lyrics kind of deal with that. Um, a lot of it is targeted at the world that dislikes them, a lot of the critics and stuff that have always put them down. It's kind of like their kind of fuck you kind of song. And it's a really really crushing song the drum beat isn't really especially in like the main parts isn't really like a typical drum beat it's more of like a really kind of heartbeat kind of drum sound like bill isn't hitting like the exact same note every time the riff is iconic it is iconic in the doom metal world as well as just rock and metal in general tony's guitar here sounds really really trebly his it, it sounds really mean um and i kind of feel like this tone would follow this is the tone that would also follow him through the rest of the 70s kind of what he kind of started with on volume four and i really think this song really sets the album in motion for how different it is and remember how i was talking about on supernaut how they had that that quick um acoustic interlude uh, they do that on this song more prominently with the bri with the the soft bridges where it goes into these acoustic parts with Ozzy singing a lot more melodically, and it's really prevalent here, showing just how many different sounds they can fit into a into a single song. And speaking of Ozzy, his vocals on this album are incredible. I mean, it there's not a lot of live versions of, of this song specifically, and uh, Sabracadabra as well, especially. Because Ozzy sings just so damn high, and this album isn't as intense as Sabotage would be, but this really shows how, at this point, he could really sing. He really could belt it out. And it's some of his most aggressive vocals, but not his most aggressive. He he's yet to get there, but this album he definitely he really gives it uh, a good a good try. Um the end is really kind of doomy. It kind of goes into this like prolonged jam that has a lot of different riffs that go kind of back and forth. Um and it really it's just a classic Sabbath song, but 
it has a little bit more substance than something like Paranoid would have. It's got a little bit more of a writing, or, well, I guess Paranoid's not a good um, song, because that song was technically a filler. Uh, something like Fairies Wear Boots, um, where it's kind of a little bit more straightforward, but it also has a lot of different things going for it in terms of sounds, in terms of, in, instead of, um, like, styles, like, jazzy styles, or, or, um, rhythmic stuff like that. It's more of different soundscapes that this whole album as a whole kind of goes for, and the song perfectly encapsulates that. And that goes on to next, the next track, uh, track two, A National Acrobat, which is my favorite song on the album. The song is straight, just heavy guitar riffing um, from Tony. Actually, Geezer, I believe, wrote the riff on this song. Um, he wrote it on his bass, and then Tony kind of followed along, and they tweaked it from there. The lyrics, from what I understand, it's, it's about either being born or the or what happens if you're not born what happens to you uh that kind of i guess subject which is kind of cool um the lyrics definitely do a good way of making it seem interesting in almost a psychedelic kind of way the riff is iconic the verses are just so heavy um and then you have the whole kind of middle part the kind of part with the wah guitar going on and then it goes into this almost kind of upbeat, like towards the end. It goes into this more upbeat, up-tempo riff that almost comes out of nowhere. And then it kind of speeds up. It kind of ends kind of like War Pigs kind of ends, where it kind of speeds up and kind of just ends at the uh, right at the end. Um, in like a barrage of all the instruments. Um, it's just a classic Sabbath song. It's got the mood. It's got the really, really good heavy riffing. It's it's a more drawn-out song with a lot more layering and guitar, uh, different guitar stuff all around it. And it, it, like I said, it's just classic. This song is leading into the instrumental on the album track three which is fluff uh which is a really melodic almost orchestral um very dreamy sounding instrumental it kind of takes ideas like um orchid and things like that from past albums but really expands on it really layers onto it 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 it, it is a good piece of music if it if it doesn't um, feel a little bit out of place, but I think it works in the terms of what the band was thinking at the time, where they were trying to experiment with as much as they could. So having this very almost classical piece on the album does fit, even though it's an inter interlude. Uh it's still a Sabbath song that I think a lot of people recognize or that at least Black Sabbath or hard rock fans in general recognize. Um, it's a nice cool down moment after two really heavy hard hitters. Um, and really it's the only cool down song on the album. 
uh, and then it leads into another seriously classic song on this record, um, Sabracadabra, which is a great name, uh, plays off the band's name and everything like that. I've always loved it. Uh, it is definitely the most, I think, in terms of lyrics and style, the most streamlined song on the album. It's kind of more of this bluesy, heavy rocker. The lyrics kind of are like lovey, kind of being all about your girl, things like that. Nothing wrong with that. Like I said, it definitely isn't very heavy subject matter. But it works because the band are just ferocious. Ozzy's vocals are completely out of control. Uh, it just works so well. And then you also have the guest on the album. You have Rick Wakeman um, doing the synthesizer when it goes into the kind of slow kind of psychedelic part. M m much like the middle kind of part of National Acrobat where it kind of it's the band kind of just jamming on this single kind of rhythm, but there, the difference is this song has like kind of this bluesy kind of piano kind of added into the background and like Tony kind of fiddling on the guitar <clears throat> in the back. Um, there's just a lot going on and it works really well from being just a basic bluesy rocker. Like the first, the first, few minutes are that that really up-tempo kind of bluesy sound the band are going for at full blast and then it goes into this completely other part that kind of just waves on to the end to the band kind of just falls apart at the end but it really it it, it totally works it is just so good uh i know i heard a story about how ozzy kind of as they were doing this like prolonged jam at the end he was kind of just saying stupid things that they were like, oh, this will never get on the record. So they kind of just m shot it way in the back of the mix and kind of just mixed it. So you hear his voice a little bit, but it's very garbled. Uh, but he's actually saying, like, offensive things and things like that. It's kind of funny. It's just a funny story about the song. And this leads into another killer track, uh, a darker song, uh, track five, Killing Yourself to Live which is a little doomier. It's got kind of this, it's got this really kind of dreading feeling to it, especially in the verse riff. Um, it's really different for Tony to be playing. So it's like the single note kind of um, riff playing. It feels like kind of off, but it works. And then you have the chorus, which is just sludgy as hell. And it's, it's another killer, really heavy song with, um, heavy kind of lyrics about I believe it was about the band being just pushed to the brink of of like self-destruction at this point because they were so tired so it was kind of a song that deals with them kind of being like well we're killing ourselves to live to make music we're literally destroying ourselves so it, it kind of it can work in a few different ways, but I feel like that's what the song was kind of about. Uh, it's, it's probably one of the darkest songs on the album. And it leads into uh, a really interesting one is Who Are You with Ozzy actually playing the... I believe he's the one playing the synth. He came up with that that um, 
main synth riff for the song that kind of goes all the way throughout besides kind of a break in the middle it's kind of like heavy atmospheric break that happens uh which is really cool this song is probably the proggiest sounding on the album um it's really centered around that synth and Ozzy's really kind of monotone yet just like dread-filled vocals. And he really just, he just sounds out of it, but it adds this really kind of jagged atmosphere that adds the uneasiness that this album also pervades. This album has this whole kind of uneasy atmosphere where the songs just have this very slight kind of darkness to them that a normal Sabbath album kind of didn't have. It's it's more of an atmospheric thing, I guess you'd call it. But Who Are You like perfectly encapsulates that kind of uneasiness this album has. And then that leads into track seven, which is Looking for Today, which has some really good riffs in it. I've always liked this song. Um... Ozzy's vocals are really melodic here too, especially when he's singing that that hook look when he's like looking for today, and it, it that he does a really good job of kind of having that that upswing in his vocals. I've always that part of the song is always just um I uh, it's always just stuck in my head for some reason because it's the band doing melody just really really well. So, this song leads directly into the final track, the atmospheric, very proggy, um, I've always had a hard time explaining Spiral Architect, but it is such a good closer. It's not necessarily, I don't think, the heaviest song on the album, but it's definitely, it's got that atmospheric kind of feeling that the band were really trying to nail on this album, and especially with with this second side, they really nail the different soundscapes they're going for, and Spiral Architect is really where that is really encapsulated. Um, and that ends the album, so that ends Sabbath Bloody Sabbath. Like I said, it was released at the tail end of 73. Um, band would go on tour for it, and they... Probably one of their most famous 70s shows they played on this album was um, the Cal Jam in in uh, California uh, with uh, Black Oak, Arkansas were on it. I believe Rare Earth, uh, Sabbath, Deep Purple, uh, Electri- uh, Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, I think, were did headline it. Um, with Deep Purple right below them. Obviously, this was a show where Richie destroyed his amps and made the huge the stage blow up, and they nearly got arrested. But Sabbath went on early in the day, which is ironic. They should have gone on at night because obviously their dark sound would have worked perfectly. Um, but apparently, they did extremely well, and they hadn't rehearsed in like weeks. So. It really was, this was probably the pinnacle of their popularity. This was when they were at their most popular, especially in America. Um, but 
unfortunately things were about to start getting bad um at this point they were starting to separate from Patrick Meehan who was who kept trying to say he was the one helping produce their albums or his name was in the producing credits but it was always by the band at this point um volume 4 and Sabbath Bloody Sabbath were both by the band and he was trying to capitalize on that. He wouldn't. He basically wouldn't let them see any of the funds that were coming in. Basically, if they wanted something, they would have to go through him. So they started going through their um, separation with him, which started with lawsuits, which we'll get into with sabotage. Really, I think had an effect on the sound of that album. Um, but in terms of the whole era with Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, even though the band were kind of in dark times, it's per it's nearly perfectly reflected in the CD, CD, uh, album. Um, I have the CD here, so, but you can even see from the cover just where they're going. The, the dreamlike sounds that they kind of explore, the more proggy elements that, add to the uneasy atmosphere this album uh gives you uh i mean it's like i said it's very dreamlike it's almost like a nightmare and the album cover perfectly like shows that and then you have the other side where it's the more calming side um it's supposed to be like uh the heaven and hell kind of thing where if you go to, you go to hell uh all this bad stuff happens but heaven there's grieving and it's really an interesting concept. I've always loved this album cover. It's one of those ones you can just look at for hours. Uh, and it works for this album perfectly because it's not just an average Black Sabbath album. It's got more substance to it where every time you listen to it, I think you'll you'll pick up on a little bit of something different. Uh, these songs, unfortunately, rarely ever were played live mainly because the vocals were so damn hard for Ozzy to keep up. I mean, there's, there's live versions of like Sabricadera where Ozzy is trying his damnest to keep it together. But like right before it goes back into the main riff, his voice will totally crack because his singing is so intense. Um, like even the last few tours that Sabbath did, they wouldn't play. They they pretty much didn't play anything past Volume Four because that's when Ozzy started to really hit the high kind of vocal style he had in the later years. Besides um, besides some tracks on Technical Ecstasy and uh, Never Say Die, but they would only do like a medley of like some uh, like megalomania from sabotage or sabbath bloody sabbath um they would really only pull out those that that main sabbath bloody sabbath riff as a kind of medley thing because ozzy couldn't do the vocals anymore which was sad but i mean it also shows you just how hard the band worked on this album uh it's it's up there it, it's definitely one of the it's in my top 10 at the very least um, of Sabbath albums. So, yeah, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath. Like I said, we will get into what was going on right after this album in the next episode when we cover my uh, personal favorite of the Prague, the more Prague era 
of the band uh, Sabotage. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate it. Sorry this episode took a little while. I've been quite busy. Uh, but it's here, so we're back on track. Hopefully, next uh, episode will be out in the next few days, hopefully. Um, so, like I said, you guys can get in touch with me on the Glistening Metal Podcast on Instagram. Uh, positive comments, negative comments, anything I can do better. You guys can always get through to me there. Thanks for listening, guys.